Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at newbalance.com. Sipping codeine cause I gotta kill the cold. Let me sit sideways in the big bins. Oh, you boys, they my brothers, they my friends. The game may be over, but they are just getting started. Raw and unfiltered, this is the OU Insider staff, and this is the Under the Visor postgame podcast. Welcome, welcome to another OU Insider Under the Visor Sooners postgame podcast. My name is Brandon Drum. I'm here with Parker Thune, and Oklahoma is back on the winning side of all things after a three-game skid, after beating number 19 team in the country, 52-42 at home during homecoming. Now, I know when you first hear that, and if you watch the game, on the surface, it looks like no defense was played, right? That's what it sounds like, what it looks like. That's pretty but accurate. Ocron, it's pretty accurate, but Ocron Tramon Frere, because they had, what, six, seven stops, right? Something like that. Hey, and you want to know what? If you're Oklahoma right now, you take those, and you take them, and you be positive about them. Because you didn't have those the last couple, couple of weekends. Last three weekends, actually. So... Um, I mean, stops are stops. A win's a win. And 701 yards is a whole heck of a lot of yards, bro. No joke, man. 701 yards of offense. And it like, it seemed like an obscene number when TCU welcomed the Sooners to Fort Worth a couple weeks ago and put up 668. I mean, this Sooners offense was stunningly efficient today. And mm-hmm. it was it was not a perfect outing. Uh, Dylan Gabriel had a couple fumbles. He threw an interception. Uh, there were some things to be cleaned up. But man, if you didn't see a stark difference between OU's offense sans Dylan Gabriel last week and OU's offense with Dylan Gabriel back in the fold and fully healthy this week, I mean, it is glaring just how much of a difference he makes uh, at the trigger, at the controls of this offense. They had 195 yards of total offense against Texas a week ago without Dylan Gabriel. 
they more than tripled that today. And you can you can try to explain it away in a million different fashions, but at the end of the day, let's just let's take a very surface level comparison here and look at common opponents. Kansas State, or I'm sorry, Kansas is three points better than Iowa State. Texas is three points better than Iowa State. So those teams are close to on the same level in terms of their overall ability, in terms of their overall talent, in terms of where they are right now as programs. And Oklahoma got shut out by one without Dylan Gabriel. They put up 52 points on the other with Dylan Gabriel. So, uh, look, I... And I don't want this to be misconstrued, so I want to word this carefully. Dylan Gabriel, man, say what you mean. Well, yeah, if today proved anything, it's that Dylan Gabriel is the most valuable player on this Oklahoma team. Now he's not the best player in college football. Yeah, and he's not the best player. I would say Brayden Willis is the best player, and I don't know if it's close right now. I mean, he is doing some special things every single week. And mm-hmm. it's a it's a shame that so much of it has been lost in the greater narrative of the peaks and valleys, ups and downs of this season for Oklahoma. But what today proved is that this offense is night and day different with Dylan Gabriel at the helm versus uh, with any other quarterback at the helm. So uh, really, really good for Sooner fans to get the chance to see a healthy eight back out there on the field, slinging the ball around. And again, he didn't make every single throw. I, I'm i not entirely convinced the interception was his fault. Uh, it looks like that could have – and I don't know the exact play call or the specifics. We, we probably won't get an exact answer on that, but it looked like Marvin Mims might have been equally cold. Cut off his route. Yep. Yeah, in that scenario. So, you know, it's just one of those things you learn to live with. It was his first interception of the season, and – All things considered, Gabriel played a very, very good football game, a very efficient football game, contributed with his legs, spearheaded a dominant offensive attack for Oklahoma, and my goodness, did they run the ball effectively. Eric Gray Mm -hmm. had a huge day. Javante Barnes had another big day. Multiple touchdowns in two of the last three games for Barnes now. So uh, the offense got clicking again immediately. There was no... Uh, barrier to re-entry, if you will, with Gabriel mm-hmm. back in the fold. They picked up right where they left off uh, whenever he exited that TCU game with a concussion. And uh, this was a get-right game for Oklahoma going into the bye week. This was one that they needed because we talked about it in the pregame podcast, Brandon, going into this bye at four and three and going into that bye at three and four on a four-game skid feels very, very different. Those are two entirely different ends of the spectrum. And on one end, if you go in three and four, it's tough to assert that Oklahoma's making a bowl game at that point. But now you're sitting at four and three. You played really well on the offensive side of the ball. A lot of things to clean up defensively. By no means was it even a good performance on the defensive side of the ball today for Oklahoma. But you build some confidence. You get everybody feeling themselves again uh, as just as far as just the vibe uh, and the confidence in that locker room, the belief in one another. And now you get a chance to rest up, lick your wounds, heal up, uh, hit the film room hard, figure out what areas of your game and what areas of your roster you need to shore up right now. And you get the chance to come back out on the other side, go up to Ames, look for win number five and see if you can keep this thing rolling. 
Yeah. I mean, uh, look, Eric Gray had 176 total yards of uh, rushing, by the way. I, I, I'm trying to do all the math here in my top of my head uh, because I believe he had a pretty nice day receiving or, well, it felt like he had a nice day receiving because a couple of them were, were bigger first down plays, but he, he had a 179 total yards from scrimmage. So, or 189, excuse me, total yards from scrimmage. That's, that's a good start. You had two players, Parker, over a hundred yards receiving with Marvin Mims with nine receptions for 106 yards. Uh, he didn't get a touchdown, but then Braden Willis had five receptions for 102 yards. He averaged Braden Willis averaged 20.4 yards a reception. 20.4 yards a reception. Talk about somebody that is making themselves a lot of money, by the way, this year. And that is one Braden Willis, as you said. He, he he's going to get paid. He yeah, is he's going to get paid, paid this offseason. Yeah, he he is he's fantastic. He's fantastic. I think look I said it when you were talking earlier and I, I know it comes off as weird when I say Dylan Gabriel might be the most valuable player to his team in college football, but I don't think there's any doubt to that. Not after what we've witnessed the last few weeks. He goes out and that offense becomes so stagnant and so bad over a seven quarter stretch talking about three quarters with TCU four quarters with Texas. It was awful. Parker awful. This dude comes back and throws what for, I'm trying to remember the exact stat, but 403 yards, 29 of 42 for 403 yards. Um, And he also rushed, for 37 yards on 10 attempts. Uh, he had a rushing touchdown and he had two passing touchdowns. So three total touchdowns. The guy, the guy just means a lot. And I, I thought the, the biggest deal was Brent Venables. Like when John Hoover started trying to grill him and he goes, what changed? We got Dylan back. Like, that was, yeah. and he was like, he was so stern when he said it. And you could see just like the scowl in Venable's face. Like we got Dylan Gabriel back. That's why we're doing well on offense. Like that changes our whole team. It gives our defense confidence to do things. They don't have confidence in doing most likely if there's another quarterback out there, the, having a good quarterback makes your defense better. Yes. Oklahoma gave up 42 yards, 42 points today. But Parker, they stopped. What there was a there was a point in the game. I think it was in the third quarter, midway through the third quarter, and Kansas was three for nine on third downs. Yeah, um, that's not a good ratio, dude. <laughs> no, it's not. And look again. I don't think you can look at the defensive performance by Oklahoma today and say that it was acceptable. They surrendered. No, it wasn't acceptable. Like if you, if you don't have Dylan Gabriel back, you're losing that football game. Let's call a spade a spade here. That's the reality. Without Dylan Gabriel, you lose that game because of the player, your defense that said, (laughs) and it's, I, I would never have imagined myself saying these words three weeks ago, Brandon, but with where Oklahoma is right now, 
you take the small victories where you can get them. And you yes. take the most technical of victories. And this is five for 11 on third down. You'll take right now because that's better yeah. than 10 for 11 or whatever Texas was last week. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I think what, what is encouraging when you look at the defensive side of the ball and there's not, there's not a whole lot from today to be truly encouraged about, but CJ Colden made the play of his life man on that oh interception second yeah. straight week with a pick for the sixth year senior the transfer from wyoming uh he's about to earn himself a lot more snaps can promise you that with what he's done over the last couple of weeks and it's not just those two takeaways either he's had some really really good coverage reps uh those aside uh robert spears jennings got some good burn today in the defensive backfield. David uh-huh. Aguebu broke the Sooner sack drought. They got a sack today uh-huh. for the first time since the Nebraska game. So again, small victories. They do not mean much in the grand scheme of things right now. And by no means are you confident that the Sooners on the other side of this bye can go up to Ames and play dominantly on the defensive side of the ball unless they get completely healthy over the course of that buy, and that obviously includes getting Billy Bowman back. That's probably the most critical component. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what you can say right now is that the Sooners are good enough on offense with Gabriel back at the controls that, <laughs> oh gosh, and it feels like it kind of it kind of gives off some 2018 vibes, doesn't it? They're good enough on offense that, as long as you just play mediocre defense, you can keep you can winning football games. Mm-hmm. You can be nine and three by the end of the year if you play just adequate defense and the offense just keeps on rolling, baby. Well, and, biscuit. And, <laughs> and here's here's what else I want to emphasize. I I've already encountered several people on social media, on message boards, whatever, that have tried to explain away the performance today by Oklahoma and say, "Well, it's Kansas." Uh, this ain't your daddy's Jayhawks, Brandon. We know this much. No, they came into this I game five that. and one nationally ranked, and they had played some pretty dang good defense thus far this season. So the fact that Oklahoma torched them for 701 total yards, that's impressive. And yeah. I'm not saying the Jayhawks are a juggernaut. By no means is that the case, but that's a solidly above average defensive team that Oklahoma had their way with today. No, that that whole narrative, oh, what it was, Kansas, Kansas, shut up. They're ranked 19th in the country for a reason. Like, go to their schedule, Parker. Who have they beaten this year? Like, go through it. Like, they didn't just beat chumps all year. They went through and beat people that they normally wouldn't or and or are considered good football teams. Well, and consider consider this as well, Brandon. Uh the 230 slate of college football games today delivered. Man, we had some oh, outstanding football yeah. games, obviously uh, headlined by that Alabama-Tennessee game. But after watching TCU and the way that they battled back and took down a very resilient and very sound Oklahoma State football team, it's all the more impressive to look back on that TCU-Kansas game a week ago and conclude, okay, wow, Kansas hung with a TCU team that here in 2022 could be really good. And you never want to lose a game 55 to 24, and that's never really acceptable, no matter who's playing quarterback at the University of Oklahoma. But 
you look back on that loss to the Horn Frogs in Fort Worth and you factor in the loss of Dylan Gabriel midway through that game and you you feel a lot less embarrassed about that loss today than you did mm-hmm. 2 weeks ago because TCU's 6 and 0 and also you got a lot of respect for Kansas and what they accomplished over the first half of their season because their only loss of the first half of their season came by a single possession to that TCU team that right now looks like the cream of the crop in the Big 12. Yeah. Well, you're right. And, but look at this. Like, so Duke right now is beating North Carolina. North Carolina is five and one. Duke's four and two. Duke is beating North Carolina right now as we record this podcast. Kansas beat Duke. Kansas beat Houston. Kansas beat Iowa State. Kansas lost by seven. By seven. And everybody wants to say, well, they lost Jaden Daniels, and that's why they, they weren't good. And that's why Oklahoma was able to do what they did to them today. But Jason Bean and Jaden Daniels are so – do you agree with me, Parker? They are almost identical as players. They're, they have their almost, similarities, yes. Yes. Like, and even talent-wise, there's not a huge discrepancy. Oklahoma's seen that more than anybody the last few years. Jason Bean came in last year against Oklahoma and about beat them and about beat them in Lawrence. It was him that came in and made the difference. If I remember correctly, didn't they switch from Jaden Daniels to Jason Bean in the middle of that game? No, they did not. Jason Bean started that game. That, but, but they, Okay, okay, that's right, that's right, that's right, that's right. I don't remember that's if right. Daniels was hurt or if Bean had just won the job outright. I think that. he won the job outright because I, I, yeah, because I don't believe Daniels because I remember them panning over to him quite a bit. Now he may have been hurt, but I just remember them panning over to him. He was there. I do remember that. But so that that's my point though. Like this dude also went down and beat. Didn't he beat Texas last year? Or was that Daniels? That beat Texas. It was Jalen Daniels that beat Texas. Yes. Okay. Okay. So, I mean, so my point is, is they're, they're very similar. You have one that almost beat Oklahoma and Lawrence. And the other one goes down to Austin and beats Texas in a double overtime game. So that excuse of, Oh, well, look, everybody in the country has a really good backup quarterback. But Oklahoma, <laughs> I say that sarcastically, but also semi-serious. <laughs> like there's some serious tone in that, Parker. <laughs> so, um, and and I I don't want to hate on Bevel. It's just like you can just see how big of a difference it is. Like we heard it all off season, even from people around the program. If Dylan Gabriel goes down, we're in a lot of trouble. We're in a lot of trouble, and they echo that over and over and over. And over and over. And it rang true. And it shows you just how valuable he is to this program. And that's why everybody's clamoring for Jackson Arnold to show up. to, If nothing else, to be a respectable backup and a very good backup and potentially compete for a starting job next year against Dylan Gabriel, which I don't know. I'm not going to say he can't do that. But at the same time, the talent that like Dylan Gabriel's a good player, right? We all know Jackson Arnold's ceilings through the roof. So, I mean, there's, there's, 
it's going to be fun next year, but that's that's not that's neither here nor there right now. Um, well, let's talk about the offensive line, Parker. They have been. I mean, even against Texas, doing the Wildcat, they've been physical, man. They have Oklahoma's they, ran the ball well all season long. They won all the battle long. today, man. And look, Eric Gray. I think were it not for the unfortunate presence of Bijan Robinson and Deuce Vaughn would be the front runner for all big 12 first team honors at the running back position. Mm -hmm. He has been outstanding. And Hey, it looks like at this point, at least at this point in time, Javante Barnes got a stranglehold on RB two duty that he doesn't look like he's super willing to give. Well, I think, I think major is a little dinged up still. And he is dinged up. Yes. His ankle's still bad. Yeah. But Barnes has been impressive uh, in major yeah. stead over the last couple of weeks. And really, ever since the get go, you've seen some impressive things from Javante Barnes. The ceiling long term is through the roof, as everybody knows. Uh, but can I, can I say Gray, one thing about him real quick? But, and, and, but Barnes the, or Gray? Barnes. OK, there's one thing about him that I just I noticed and it happened three or four times today. I want to see if you noticed it before we get off topic here. He he like he has like a magnet for contact. He tries to absorb sev- it. Yeah. Well, he tr- there's there's several times where he's got a wide open hole, and instead of cutting outside, he cuts right back to where the contact is. It's like I'm going to try to run somebody over instead of run around and go sixty yards down the field. He could have broken three plays today for like thirty or forty yards, and instead he cuts back inside and tries to run somebody over. Yeah. And Did you not notice that? No, no, I certainly noticed that. And it, it's it's not just exclusive to this week. That's something that we've seen repeatedly from Barnes throughout the year. And it's just, it's one of those things that you chalk up to inexperience. You know, he's going to get that coached out of him. And uh, it is helpful at this point in time that there doesn't have to be a tremendous reliance on him in year one based yeah. on the way that Gray is playing and will continue to play. Uh but you look at, man, it seems like every at, at every single carry Eric Gray got today, he took for at least five or six yards. And every so often, in fact, <laughs> with great regularity, he would pop off for a much larger chunk game than that. My favorite moment of the day, Brandon, was when Eric Gray had a 25-yard touchdown run that got called back due to a holding penalty, and then he just went ahead and scored on the next play anyway. Like <laughs> that was special. And the final line for gray, 20 carries, 176 yards, two touchdowns. That's an elite stat line right there. 8.8 and yards a carry. That's become par for the course at this point for gray. He is, I mean, he is finding holes, m- making tacklers miss, hitting the open field, picking up chunk games with ease. And, if there was any semblance of a question heading into the season as to who RB1 was going to be for Oklahoma, I think that has very clearly been settled through seven games at Oklahoma. Gray is that guy. And uh, he is he's another guy right up there with Willis that's going to continue to make himself some money uh, if he closes the season the way that he's opened it. And the expectation at this point just – kind of collecting vibes from around the program, talking to people in the know. 
Uh, is that Eric Gray is going to make the jump to the NFL at year's uh-huh. end? And man, is he having quite a prove it season if that's the plan? Well, I can tell you. So he and I um, were on a flight together from Dallas before the season started, right before fall camp. And he was talking to me and he said, the plan is to go after this year. Like he flat told me that <laughs> but he wasn't shy about it. So we were waiting on our bags and he walked over and just started talking to me. He's like, Hey, I know you. And I was like, Hey, what's up, man. And um, so we just started talking, waiting for our bags. And I said, so I know you got another year. I mean, are you going to stay two years? He goes, well, the plan is to, to, to go pro after this year. That's the plan. So right now he's, he's, he's succeeding in the plan. I think he has 570 something yards already. Five, yeah. excuse me, 519, 519, 6.7 yards a carry. Mm-hmm. That's kind of, I'm, I'm honestly kind of surprised. He's averaging almost seven yards a carry. They, he just that, only, he's only, he's only been given the ball 77 times this year too. That's crazy. I would. I would have guessed he would have been closer to a thousand than five hundred right now. Anyway, oh, whoa, 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 this is six games. Sorry, excuse me. Gotcha. Okay, yeah, they yeah, have they have they haven't put in they haven't put in the seventh. I'm just seeing. Okay, how many so games? Quick, Sorry, quick I just scroll here. over for the games. Yeah, quick math here: five nineteen plus one seventy six is six hundred ninety five. Yeah, six hundred ninety five yes. rushing yards for Gray. Yes, through seven games so he's on pace for a thousand yard season uh he'll break that barrier quite easily uh you would figure Mm -hmm. over the last five games of the year and yeah he's gonna continue to play his way up nfl draft boards if he maintains the level of performance that he's established throughout these first seven games yeah no he's he's great i i look we we talked to anton harrison after the after the game or i i talked to anton harrison after the game and uh he I asked him, I said, you know, what was, what you guys are meshing well right now. Like, what's the change? And he said, well, I mean, we aren't doing as much this past week. He said, we aren't doing as much physically. Ironically, Deshaun White said the same thing. And so did Eric Gray. The first, the first guys, the older guys and everybody, aren't doing as many physical reps. Uh, they're letting the younger guys, the second stringers get a little bit more reps during the week. Even with the game plan, they're watching, they're doing, they get two or three reps and then everybody else gets to do three, four, five reps. So they're taking less reps in the second string. And that's how you build a culture folks. Like that's how you build a program, by the way, is allow those second stringers to get more reps. Cause those older guys, they don't need a bunch of reps. And this is where they start trailing it back as Venable said, but Anton Harrison, when I was talking to him, I said, so how are you all meshing? He said, well, they're doing daily meetings with Coach Beatenbow. One-on-one meetings, by the way. And then they're meeting as a group on Monday. And so on Sunday, they're doing one-on-one. Monday, they're doing a team meeting or offensive line meeting, just players. And they're breaking down film and really going over it themselves. And he said, we do that every game. He said, we did we did the best that we've done at that was after Texas, ironically. He said, because that was when we had to learn how to just throw everything away and move past. And when you look down to it, the offensive line graded out really well in that game. It wasn't the O-line that was the issue. 
That wasn't the problem. The offensive line gave a push for the run game. I mean, Texas knew they were going to run the ball, and Oklahoma was still going up and down the field running the ball on Texas. Why they got out of the the run when they got to the 20, that's a whole other thing. We talked about that last week on the podcast. That's neither here nor there. But they were doing their job. They did their job running the ball against K-State. They did their job running the ball against TCU. They dang sure did their job the first three games of the week. I think uh, first three games of the year, I think Kent State was probably the worst that the the worst the offensive line did this year. Would you agree with that? I think that was their worst game this year, period. Yes. Yes. And I would I would actually argue the margin probably isn't very close. No, it was really bad that game. But other than that, they've been really good. Like it's yeah. been a well, good offensive line unit. Here's here's how you know the offensive line is playing well. All of the Bill Biedenbow haters have crawled back into their holes mm-hmm. and you don't hear a peep from them. No, you don't. Like it, it, all of a sudden, oh, now he may know what he's doing. It's weird when everybody meshes and the talent meshes. And and the crazy thing is, is they return three of the five guys most likely next year because Anton, that dude's gone. Like he's a day one, day two guy most likely. Yes. Yes. Wanye, if you're Wanye, you come back, but I don't think you will. I don't. Yeah. I, well, here's I the thing. I, I don't. I, I, and, I think he should, but I don't think he will. Those well, are two and I think things. what Bill Biedenbow is probably going to try to pitch to Wanye is, well, see how it's worked out for Adrian Ely and Tyrese Robinson, two mm-hmm. guys that had the chance to come back, chose to bet on themselves. It didn't pan out, and now they're stuck living the practice squad life. So do you really want to try and – uh, make that leap unless you know for sure you're an NFL draft pick. That's what I would imagine the stance that Bill Biedenboe is going to take with Wanya Morris to try and talk him into coming back for another year. But Chris Murray graduates. He's done. McCade Mataier, uh I know he's – basically he's in a similar situation. Doesn't Murray get one more year? He gets no. he gets a COVID no, year done. next year. No, he doesn't? Okay. No. So he never redshirted. This is his fifth year. So okay, so but Matayer has he can come back. Rain will be back. can come back now. Again, he's in a similar situation as Eric Gray, where he wants to be able to go to the NFL after this year. I I don't know whether that's entirely plausible right now. So yeah, you could, in theory, you could could bring back everybody, but Chris Murray, Guyton, Anton Harrison, yeah. You get Guyton, but I honestly I think Jacob Sexton is your starting left tackle next year. Ah, big sexy. Yeah, I think he. I, I think he is. I, I mean, would agree. I, yeah, because I think Guyton's a better right tackle. They like Guyton a lot. They love his athleticism. Uh, he needs to add some strength, upper body strength, and get better technique. He's only been playing offensive line for two years. That's something people don't realize. Like that's how good he is. That he's been playing for two years and he's gotten so much better. Yeah, he's also just and, a massive human being. Like, yeah, he's a huge helps. guy. Yeah, that does help. But also to be a, an athletic freak the way he was, like he was a tight end. Like, uh-huh. he's a freak. He's a freak. Um, what do you think of the defensive line play today? Like, I, I, I thought they, they pressured Bean on several occasions, a lot actually, but they didn't contain. I think there's that that was their biggest mistake. They would get. You want to know who was getting the most pressure today? I have my answer. I want to hear yours. 
I no, I, that's what I'm asking you. I want I want to hear yours because I think you're going to say what I'm going to say. He's a young guy. Yes, he is. Our Mason Thomas. Our, Our Mason, Mason Thomas. Thomas was a nuisance today for Jason Bean yeah. off and his backside. And Marcus he, Stripling, he, he, had but he some, couldn't contain. Yeah, Strip had some contain. good reps as well. But he did. He did. Yeah, and look, look. Eh. There is one thing that is abundantly clear about R. Mason Thomas, and it is that that dude has a gift for getting after the quarterback. Mm-hmm. Now, he does. <laughs> he he does overruns it a lot of times <laughs> because he'll make those he'll make those freshman mistakes. Right, he's not seasoned, and he's still kind of figuring things out. But man, can he rush the QB like his hair's on fire? It is fun to yep. watch. It is fun to watch him go. Now, uh. As far as the overall play of the defensive line, it could be a lot better. You'd like it to be mm-hmm. a lot better. But again, small victories, right? Yeah. Small victories. You take what you can get at this point. And if what you get is one sack and a bunch of QB hurries and you come out on top, you'll take it at this point if you're Oklahoma. And I agree with you. I thought Jalen Redmond was pretty good today. Um, I thought R. Mason Thomas, Marcus Stripling was good today. I thought Ethan Downs was good before he got hurt. Uh, it was noticeable when he went out um, off his side on the off the edge. Uh, and I, I don't know that it's anything super serious. Um, I was told it was most likely a stinger, but he wasn't going to play again because it was a pretty bad stinger. Um we went in and x-rayed his neck area and stuff like that. Came back negative. Uh, but um I so but I outside of that, I don't know like anything else. Like, I mean, maybe it's worse than worse than I'm being led upon right now. But right now they don't they don't think it's that much. Plus he's got the bye week to heal up, so that that also will help. Um I thought I thought um uh, Jonah Lulu was okay today. Um, I, I I thought it was essential for him and Gabriel to have a big game, considering that uh, Cecilia Connor was in town. Thought it was massively yes. important for the Hawaii boys to have good games, and and they were decent. Like uh, Lulu was was decent, and obviously Gabriel was astonishing. Just unbelievable. So that that was that was good for Oklahoma. Uh, I, linebacker wise, they're still playing those two way too much, man. Give them a break. How often did they get subbed out today? Not very did often. You see, did, did you see? Maybe not at all. <laughs> I don't think I, they did at all. Well, because I didn't see Jake McCoy at all. I didn't see Jaron Canick until the fourth quarter. Didn't see Kobe McKenzie or Kip Lewis. So, yeah, I don't think they subbed out at all until nope, garbage still time. Just, those three were going at it all the whole time. Once again, Deshaun White, uh, Aguebu, and Stutzman. I, I just – it's not sustainable, Parker. Like, it's not – even with the Bible, it's not sustainable. No. No, it's not. And you people, start... people want to, and people want to act like, oh well, that's what they signed up for. They put blah blah. No, you want to know what you want 
they used to have two bye weeks. That's why it was more sustainable back in the day. There's one and more ball games. They're not playing 11. With 11 games, they had two bye weeks. Remember that back in the day, Parker? Yes. Yes, I do. They do 12 with one bye week now. It's not sustainable. They've got to start getting some of these other guys playing time. Out in the secondary, I thought, played way better than previous weeks. Well, I thought Key Lawrence was up and down, but he but when okay. he made plays, it was so noticeable. By the yeah. way, that one where you quoted me, I talked to somebody, the person that probably would know the call, and he that wasn't him. That it was that was Woody Washington mishap on that when you quoted me on the uh when the, uh, hold up when Key Lawrence like had that hold of it and he just let up. Yeah, it wasn't him. He was rotating over. It was supposed to be Woody. Okay. I asked specifically. <laughs> I'll, I'll take your word for it because I know where that's coming from. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's just... It, if Key Lawrence could... If he could display any semblance of consistency, man, yeah. with those flashy plays that he makes, man, he would be a monster. Yep. Man, he would be something. But right now, like... You said the secondary played better, and they did. Uh, I think that has a lot to do with the shuffling of personnel. Because, yep. again, C.J. Colden has been really, really good for this program the last mm-hmm. couple of weeks. Robert Spears Jennings did some really nice things. Um, I think that afternoon looks even cleaner for Oklahoma if that <laughs> if you don't have that freak deflected touchdown pass on the opening drive. Yeah. Like that was just kind of the perfect storm. Uh, that ball, you know, nine times out of ten isn't a completion. Oh my gosh! Uh, I even said when that happened, dude. I was like, they just can't catch a break. Like they're in the right spot, at the right time. Broyles comes over and just lights him up, and somehow he still has the wherewithal and the mind to reach out and grab it after the ball pops up in the air. Like at that point in time, you're just like, what more can you do? What more can you do? That was a perfect coverage, perfect hit, and it still was a touchdown. But they rebounded back, and that's when they started getting all those stops after that, when it was 14-14. I'll say this. Robert Spears Jennings was fantastic today when he played. Um, He had some mishaps, but they weren't glaringly bad and he didn't get beat deep. So I think that's the most important thing. There wasn't like a big play in front of him. Like we're behind him. Uh, I thought CJ, Jaden Davis was way more physical today. CJ Collins playing in his spot and he got way more physical when he had to rotate in there. Imagine that light, a little fire was Leonard the behind, put the heat on, put the heat on guys respond. Yeah, what what was your what was your take on just the overall play of the secondary? Because I I thought they were more physical. Obviously, they gave up several passing yards, but they can only that. I think that goes in line with the, the like we talked about the defensive well, line struggles exactly. And that was ex- exactly the point I was about to make is you can only have expectations that are so high for the secondary when you're not getting consistent pressure on the quarterback. Mm-hmm. And the Sooners just haven't done that over the last month or so. And they were better in that capacity today, but it still wasn't good enough. 
It goes back to the Brent Venables mantra, right? It ain't good enough. And it's not right now for Oklahoma. And it all starts up front. And Uh once you get to the point where you're consistently putting the opposing quarterback under duress up front, then what's going to happen is it's going to make life a whole heck of a lot easier for the secondary. A huge, huge play today by Deshaun White. Phenomenal play and coverage uh, to come up with that interception. The first of his career as a Sooner for the fifth-year senior. Uh, So there were some good things. There were. Obviously, we mentioned the big play from Colton, the big play from Deshaun White. You get Billy Bowman back in the mix, that's going to be big for this group. But they can only do so much when the defensive line isn't providing pressure on the quarterback. So it all starts up front for Oklahoma. That's one of the things that we've continued to profess over the course of this season is, look, you're not going to have elite play across the entire defense until you have elite play in the trenches. You look at Brent Venable's teams at Clemson, where did it always start? It always started up front with guys like Christian mm-hmm. Wilkins and Dexter Lawrence and Cleland Furl and Vic Beasley, right? So that's where it has to start for Oklahoma if they want to get similarly elite play from the linebacking core and the secondary. I mean, look, you you go back, you can go back even further with Oklahoma and Brent Venables. I mean, Tommy Harris, Dusty Dvorak, uh, Gerald McCoy, CJ Iu. Um, I mean, David King. Um, I mean, the list goes on and on of guys that were just really good. Uh, Frank Alexander, just really good defensive linemen underneath him underneath his tutelage in his scheme. And that's why those defenses were so phenomenal all the time because they just got after the quarterback constantly. We're just a barrage on the quarterback. All right. I want to teeter over to something that Venables talked about against Texas or after the Texas game. And then the players talked about today, Parker. And then Venables actually – talked about even more and, and, and equated it in that when I asked him if it made a difference in the psyche of the players and he agreed that it did. And I thought it was interesting. Every, you know, we kept hearing rumors after Kansas state, they're tired, they're tired. Their legs are tired. They're just worn out. They're just, they're just beat because of everything they did during fall camp, no breaks, no break, no days off. And then just constant, hard practices like they practice harder during I was told they practice harder during the season than Riley did during fall camp a lot of times and I I I know that's what Clemson does I know that's what Bama does and that's kind of where they got that Georgia that's where Venables got that idea like we're going to do those things because that's what elite programs do they practice hard all the time well, these guys weren't used to it, and it started catching up with them midseason, early in midseason, fourth game of the year, and they just kept getting worse and worse. So after Texas, Venables comes out and he says, "We're tired, like we're tired." And I was told that it got to the point where even Jerry Schmidt came up to him and said, "Look, these guys are exhausted. We need to scale it back a little bit." So after the Texas game, what do they do? The players don't practice. The, the, the ones aren't practicing as hard. 
the younger guys are still going at it really, really, really hard. The ones go at it hard for two, three reps at a time and then break for a bit to make sure they stay fresh. And I thought it showed on the field today. I thought it was a huge difference today in how they played. And I I asked Brent Venables, Parker, and I want to see your thought on this too. He keeps talking about he's how he's interested in the psyche, psyche of football, the psyche of confidence and all this stuff. And I said, so when you're tired and your guys' legs are worn out and they've been through it for the last three months before the bye week, and I know you guys held off, I said, how much does that play into a busted coverage when you're that worn out in the mental lapses? How much does that play into – getting to the quarterback or not getting to the quarterback, the twitchiness that it can cause, like and the effect that it causes mentally to maybe make that play or not make that play. And he agreed to it. He said, yeah, there's a lot to that. He said, but at the same time, football's hard. You have to push through those things. And that's what we're trying to get them to do is you've got to push through those things and keep fighting and, and find that extra gear and that extra want to. But at the same time, there's going to be a point where you level out, and he thought that's where his team was at last week. They were just flatlining. Do you think it's smart to finally – and he said they're going to scale back even more as the season goes on. Do you think it's smart to continue to do that, or do you think as long as the young guys are going to keep getting walloped or pushed hard, do you think it's smart to keep doing that, or do you think every now and then you think they need to – Keep, keep getting at it uh, to keep that culture and the the toughness and the ruggedness, rigidness going that they that Venables harps on so much. Well, I, here's the thing. You don't want to run these guys into the ground. And you talked about the fact earlier in the podcast, Brandon, that a lot of the veterans took a lot more mental reps this week. And I think it is possible – it's challenging, but it is possible to have a week of practice where you do less physically and don't allow yourself to get complacent mentally. And that is one of it's it's a delicate balance that you have to strike. Mm-hmm. But the solution isn't the solution to struggles isn't always practice more, work more, rep more do more. Sometimes the solution is <laughs> sleep a little more, uh, take a few less reps, get your body right. And you can do that without sacrificing, without sacrificing your mental preparation and overall cognitive readiness for the game to come. So right. uh, that's, Again, it's one of the things that makes coaching so difficult is because there's always that balance that you have to strike between keeping your guys fresh and making sure that they're repping enough that they're developing the muscle memory and the intuition to be able to make plays on the football field. So uh, we've talked about how badly this team needed a bye week. Now it's here. Everybody gets a week uh, to just catch up, uh, rest a little bit more than usual, and 
not only get their bodies right, but get their minds right for the grind of the second half of Big 12 play. And uh, this win was big today for Oklahoma, as we talked about, because it gives you something to build off. There was a lot of energy on that sideline today, which was awesome. And I want to shout out Nick Anderson. I did it on Twitter. I'm going to do it again on this podcast. Nick Anderson is a model citizen in this Oklahoma football program because he's only played two games to this point. Uh, He's had a nagging injury that's kept him off the field more often than not over the course of his freshman campaign to date. There is nobody, nobody on that sideline, Brandon, that is more invested in what's going on than Nick Anderson. He's got that just perpetual smile on his face, uh, rallying the guys together, uh, leading them in chants or dances or huddles, whatever the case may be. That guy is nothing but positive energy. And if you had if you had 10 or 12 more Nick Andersons, that would be a great thing for Oklahoma football. Mm-hmm. And, uh, that's I it, you gotta have characters like that. You gotta have guys like that uh, that can especially and we, we talked about we talked about this last week, Brandon, on the podcast, how there just didn't seem to be a ton of emotional leadership on that sideline and in that locker room. Now, yeah, Nick Anderson's hurt and he's a freshman. There's only so much he can do. Right. But what he can do, he's doing. And I love that for the kid. I love that about him. And I'm really excited to see what he does in an Oklahoma uniform, because if he takes that same passion and applies it on the football field in conjunction with his natural talents, he's going to be a special, special player. So. If you were to grade. The. Offensive line, quarterback, running back, just grade the positions. How would you grade them out right now? And then give the overall grade for the team for today. So offense, defense, all of the above? Yeah, just position, like if I said, like quarterback, Quarterback, what would you give? Quarterback, I'll give Dylan Gabriel a B plus. He was really good for the most part. Uh, you can't turn the ball over three times in a single game. And mm. both of those fumbles kind of happened on freak plays. Like, I don't know that that's going to, that type of thing is going to be a, an issue for Dylan Gabriel going forward. I don't think that's going to become a regular struggle. Uh, and the interception, likewise, as we mentioned, probably as much on Marvin Mims as it was on Gabriel. But regardless of how it happens, you can't turn the ball over three times in a football game. Um mm-hmm. That's just that that is not a sustainable way to win. Uh, so I'll give him a B plus. I thought he did play well today for the most part. Uh, running backs as a group, I'll give them an A minus. And Eric Gray, you cannot say enough about what he did. Javante Barnes, uh, I think, left left more than a few yards on the table, as we touched on earlier. Uh, Wideouts. Well, and I'll, I'll expand that to pass catchers because I want to include Braden Willis. Mm-hmm. Uh I would give them an A today. When you look at what Marvin Mims did, when you look at what Willis did in particular, I mean, those are two guys that are carrying a lot of water right now for Oklahoma on the offensive side yeah. of the ball. And they have been instrumental. Uh, offensive line, was Gabriel sacked? He was sacked once. They allowed one sack. 
and we're opening enormous holes all day in the ground game for Gray and Barnes. I'll give them an A, just shy of an A+. Defensively, uh, up front, C, decidedly middle of the road. It wasn't bad, but it has to be a lot better. It has to. Uh, linebackers, I will give a B. I'll give it a B. And I, I'm kind of looping Deshaun White in with the linebackers more so than the secondary, even though he does play that cheetah position. Uh, but, of course, his interception was kind of the highlight real play for that group. Uh, again, similarly to the defensive front, uh, it's good enough today, has to be better if you want to sustainably win football games. Mm-hmm. In the secondary, uh, I'll go with a B there too. Made some good plays, made some not so good plays. Uh, the reason I'll give a little more lenience to the secondary and to the linebacker core is because as we touched on earlier, as we talked about earlier, Brandon, it all starts up front. And if your defensive yeah. front isn't bringing it, there's only so much your linebackers and your secondary can do. So in an overall sense, the grade I would give Oklahoma today is I will give them a B because again, if you remove Dylan Gabriel today, if he is not in the picture, Oklahoma does not win. And mm-hmm. uh, it was a great offensive performance today, a historic offensive performance. But you have to get to a point where your entire model and method of winning does not revolve around the presence of a single player. And Oklahoma's not there right now. You would hope yeah. they can get there by season's end. But right now, Dylan Gabriel is <laughs> what's keeping this thing from breaking at the seams. Yeah, um, I kind of agree with you on a lot of them. Uh, I, I would just go A- minus with, with Dylan Gabriel, quarterback position. The the turnovers, uh, obviously the one where it hit uh, Rob, where it hit Javante Barnes' elbow, that wasn't his fault. Javante Barnes got too close to him when he was doing the fake. Um, it happens, I guess. Things happen when you get young guys back there, and that wouldn't be on the bingo card of things that could, bad that could happen. But it happened. It was a weird. It was a weird sequence of things. Uh, the The option fumble was just an inexcusable. I have no idea how that happened. I still. I when I watch it again, I'm like, how do you do that? And he did. But he did. He did. It is what it is. Um. I would say that with the the pass catchers, I'll, I'll give them an A. I thought they were really good. Braden Willis was good. Theo Weiss, Marvin Mims, uh, all really good. Jalil Farouk, they were good. They were good. Now they had drops. I, I, I they could they they could be close to an A plus if they didn't have a few drops. In my opinion, those drops were were lethal. Drake Stoops was really good today, by the way. Um, I'll go with offensive line B plus. They were solid all day long. Solid. Uh, they they dominated the line of scrimmage. I thought, you know, I almost gave him an A minus. 
And I'll just give them an A minus. I'll give them an A minus. They they deserve an A. They were really good. Um, running backs, again, I'll give an A minus just because I thought Javante Barnes could have done a little bit more with the with the carries that he got. Like he had a chance to break a few, and just like we talked about earlier, just being young and trying to do a little too much instead of just hitting the hole. You don't have to go find contact. Like, literally, we all get it. You're a tough runner. We get it. Hit the hole. Bounce outside and break it. That's what Eric Gray does. That's why he turns a 10-yard run into a 30-yard run. A lot because of that. But that comes with experience. And I think he's going to get better. Um, I can't wait to see the, the difference in running style between him and Salchuk with Salchuk's speed because I think that's going to change a lot of things for this this team whenever he gets up there and starts getting carries on a consistent basis. Uh, defensive line, C-minus. Like, they got to the quarterback. I thought they gave up some runs. The run fits weren't exactly great. Uh, I thought... Marcus Stripling, obviously R. Mason Thomas. Laulu was good uh, at times. Downs was good at times, but I thought Redmond was only the only in, the only consistent interior guy. And I think that, that that obviously has to change for Oklahoma linebacker. Again, they played way too much, so I hate just being harsh on them because I know they were tired and exhausted, and they played hard. But sometimes the run fits are a little late. They get lost with their eyes and their keys a little late. Um, C, I'll just give them a C plus maybe. Yeah, C plus. Thought they they played decently. Um, and I'll throw I, I throw Deshaun White in the secondary more because he's always playing back there and he drops back a lot. Uh, I know he blitzes a lot too, but. Just because passing downs, there's a lot of times he's he's dropped back and kind of a strong safety look, uh, whether it be in the dime or the nickel package. Uh, I'll go B minus for the secondary. I look they got they 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 had some busts. I thought the inconsistency with Key Lawrence was was big, but I thought C.J. Colden was good. I thought Woody Washington played fairly good. Uh, R. Mason, or excuse me, Robert Spears Jennings played really good for a first-time guy out there getting that many reps. I mean, he laid the wood a couple of times on some cats and and made it known he was out there. So I think overall that's a that B minus. I think as a team, I'll just give him a B because look, there's a lot to improve upon. Like you said, Parker, a lot to improve upon. They they. If they can get complimentary football back like they did the first three weeks, this team has a chance to run the table. They do, as long as Dylan Gabriel's healthy. If he goes out again, you're in big trouble. I I think everybody's butthole clinches up real tight when he takes off and runs. Everybody that's an Oklahoma fan. I know the people in the media press box do too. There's people around us going, oh, no, oh, no, oh, no. Because you never, like, nobody wants to watch that football ever again that we had to witness for seven quarters. 
It was like eye gougingly bad. Bad. So if he can stay healthy and they can somehow get and I do think they'll improve this next week. I think they're gonna go up to Iowa State and I think they're gonna play really well on both sides of the ball. And then when I say really well, I think you're gonna see more improvement on the defensive side because they will have their legs back underneath them and they have got two weeks to prepare. But Iowa State does too. So that's gonna be kind of like they both are on bye week. Uh so we'll see. But overall, B, it's not bad. Not bad. Not great. Good. Not bad. Um, Real quick before we close this out, Parker. Three official visitors in town. Four-star edge linebacker Tassili Kana. uh, Four-star defense alignment Caden McDonald out of North Gwinnett. And uh, how do you say that? I can never say that town's name. Sewanee. It's really Sewanee. Sewanee, Georgia which is north of Atlanta, folks. I've been there a couple of times to see him already. And obviously Derek LeBlanc, four-star defensive line commit, top 100 player in the country. Uh, Silly Connor is also a top 100 player in the country. Caden uh, McDonald is a top 400 player in the country. So they've got some really good players in. Obviously Jackson Arnold came in on an unofficial visit, five-star QB commit. And he brought four-star LSU commit Ryan Yates with him. I can say it now because the visit happened. It's over. But it, And it was out there. I think there were some photos taken of him in Jackson Arnold that were posted on Twitter. So, yes, Ryan Yates quietly visited. He did not want it out there because last time, folks, it leaked. People leaked it. Another site leaked it. And then it was posted on Twitter. And LSU flipped out and stopped the visit. And I think Oklahoma's in a really good spot right now for Ryan Yates. So let's see how this thing plays out. Everybody needs to be patient, though. Um, I I did talk to David Hicks's dad today. There was a rumor about him visiting today, too. I don't know how that happened. Uh, yeah, there's, there's some, they're, they're talking still. So Oklahoma and David Hicks are still talking. So there's that. Um, tweeted out per Brandon drum, David Hicks is flipping to Oklahoma. No, he's not on all social. I am not even going Brandon drum has reported this as fact. Yes, please, please, please throw me under the bus (laughs) of something I did not say, nor would I come close to say it is a long ways away from even getting like he hasn't visited Oklahoma since the summer. So anybody even thinking that needs to get their head checked. Like talking's one thing. It's like the whole Notre Dame with Jackson Arnold because Marcus Freeman called him. All of a sudden he's considering taking a visit. Come on, folks. Come on. Come on. Come on. He's not going to Notre Dame. Like they're they're struggling to put up points right now on Stanford and losing. So, um, so it sounds like they need him. (laughs) They do need him pretty badly. Uh, let me ask you this, man, before we close out. Yeah. How do you feel about these official visitors? What, what do you think? I mean, I'm going to talk to Caden. I'm going to talk to Cecilia Connor and Derek after this. Uh, but 
and I'll talk to Ryan too. Uh, but what do you, what do you, I'll, I'll give my stuff after you, but what do you yeah. think the odds are of Oklahoma landing Cade McDonald or Cecilia Connor right now? So, I, I... Akana is going to be the one, and this is, should not surprise anybody that knows these recruitments. Akana is going to probably be the one that's tougher to get a surefire read on. Now, early returns do seem pretty good as far as Caden McDonald is concerned. Obviously, Derek LeBlanc is locked in. He and his dad have made that no secret. He's not going anywhere. And uh, just from being around him today, uh, witnessing his interactions with Todd Bates and with a lot of his peers that were there. He seemed to really enjoy the experience as well. So uh, there's that. I think I it's still, to, to, to me, it's still a bit of a long shot for OU with McDonald, but I, I, I do really believe in their chances to get to Celia Kana. And I think... <laughs> Pending the outcome of the Colton Vosick soap opera. That, oh, yeah, we have to talk about that. I that forgot. recruitment yeah. could take on an entirely new significance here in the next few weeks. Brandon. Oh, my gosh. Sorry. I totally got like, so Notre Dame just fumbled the ball and, and Stanford recovered it with six and a half minutes left and Stanford's up 16 14. Sorry. It totally stunned. But yes, Colton Vasick. Totally forgot about that because I didn't want to talk about it. Um, well, I don't either. We, we I wanted I wanted it out of my mind. Well, yes, we do. Yes, okay. we do. He visited Texas, folks. He's supposed to be visiting Oklahoma for the Baylor game. I don't know that he just decommits. Like, like I'm not saying he's not going to. Let me preface that. But I don't know that he's plans on decommitting. Like, I don't know that you can watch that Texas Iowa state game and come away and go. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's where I want to go because Texas beat up on a depleted Oklahoma team, 49 to nothing. Okay. That was a bad look, but they were depleted. You saw the difference in teams when number eight's back there. And a couple other guys came back. Like there's a massive difference. Kansas isn't a pushover. Kansas is going to give Texas problems in Lawrence. Like, that's going to happen. So, to sit there and say, if you're Colton Vasek, I believe that I'm going to be better off at Texas than I am at Oklahoma. I don't know that he can definitively say that. Now, obviously, he grew up a Texas fan, and that's going to play into this whole deal. And he was there with uh, Arch Manning. And I think that was, they're really good friends. And I think that is playing a lot into this recruitment. So we'll see. Uh, if you're an Oklahoma fan, just be prepare yourself for the worst. And if it doesn't happen, be happy. I think that's probably your best bet because regardless, Oklahoma is going to, whether they get Colton Vasek, PJ Adabari, Tassili Kana, they're still going to dump into the transfer portal and grab edge rushers and defensive linemen. So landing him or not isn't going to change this program for better or worse for long term. Like it's a it's going to help the program, but it isn't going to definitively change the program. 
It sucks to lose a guy if that's what comes with that. That's what happens. It sucks. Everybody can flip out and you can have the meltdown of all meltdowns. I know you insider VIP board, but it's not going to change it in long term. Who knows what's going to happen? I, 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 I told my wife today, I really see this team long term being very good after watching what Heupel did with Tennessee and everything that bad that happened to them for a few years. And literally two years later, he's playing, he's a, they're national title contenders. That's all it takes. And if, guess what, folks? You get Jackson Earl on campus, Dylan Gabriel still has, after this year, he has two more years after this year if he wants it. He's got a medical hardship year. He's got the COVID year. So he could be a six-year guy, literally. Will he? I don't know. But my point is, is that he could be, uh, what's his name for 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 uh, uh what's the quarterback name? He's like twenty four years old for for Tennessee's and uh Hendon Hooker. Hendon Hooker, yeah. I want to say Hopper. I about said Hendon Hawker, but Hooker. Hendon Hawk Hooker. I want to said Hawker again. Hendon Hooker, uh, six year guy, makes a big difference, right? Could that be? What Oklahoma ends up in a few years, uh, we don't know. But one player isn't going to make or break that on the defensive side. Quarterback, yes. Defensive player, no. It'll help, but it's not going to make or break it. You want to add to that? No. I think you said it all. I I don't have much to add to that. And Do you agree with that? Think, no, I do agree. And... Uh, I think that is an appropriate place to land the plane, as it were, and head into the bye week. Yeah. Bye week, folks. Enjoy it. Take some deep breaths. Parker and I will be out and about. We are going to watch. I'm going to see Eric McCarty play, take on Zadavian Sims, and then I'm going to watch. uh, Wait. Yeah, that's right. It's on Thursday. That's right. And then I'm going on Friday. I'm going to watch Allen first. Uh, Denton Geyer. Parker will be there with me because there's like so many guys there. There's no way one of us could cover that game by ourselves. So it takes two because there's that many Oklahoma targets in it. There's, I think there's six. I think uh, you actually you actually have those days flipped. I believe Allen Geyer is a Thursday, and then okay. Durant's a Friday. Either way, yeah. Well, yes. Either way, that's how we're doing. Allen Geyer. I will be. I mean, that could be. It could be your next two QB ones at Oklahoma going on, yep. uh, going up against each other. So, uh, yes, we will have that one heavily covered. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, the, you got um, Zeno Mizulu, Davon Mitchell. So, there's three guys. For, so, there's seven offers total in that game. Then, obviously, you have Peyton Bowen, Jackson Arnold, Ryan Yates, and Eli Bowen. With Dengar, seven Oklahoma offers in that game. That is something else right there. Big time. And look, the Goodacre, Willie Goodacre may get offered by Oklahoma. 2024 offensive lineman from Dengar may get an Oklahoma offer here pretty soon. So we'll see. There's a lot going on. We'll have all that on Oklahoma on for Oklahoma on OUinsider.com. Look, we're going to have a lot of stuff covered for you guys. I will then be flying out. 
Uh, I will probably meet Parker at Iowa State, but I will be flying out and hitting up some other places across the country, Georgia, Florida, uh, doing a lot of recruiting coverage nationally while Parker stays kind of local due to his radio show. And then we'll meet up there in Ames, Iowa later on and cover that on the the 29th. So there's a lot going on. I know you insider, $1 for the first month, $9.95 afterwards, or $75 gets you all of OU Insider, all of 24-7 sports. And then if you wait a whole year, after your first year on OU Insider, 24-7 sports, uh, that means you get that first year, you get Alabama, you get Oklahoma, you get Tennessee, Texas A&M, Texas. You get every site on 24-7 sports, seriously. Or if you don't want to do that, you can try us out for $1 for the first month, then $9.95 afterwards. But if you do do that one year for $75 after the first year after I'm going to explain it after because we had some people get mad at us even though we said that a million times it's always after the first year you stay with us for a year then you get Paramount Plus for free so that's over 220 plus dollars in value that you get for around $100 $108 whatever dollars after the first year so Give us a shot. Give us a try. Thousands and thousands of others are. Uh, we love the Oklahoma fans. Uh, we enjoy talking to you guys each and every day. Uh, it's, it's fun. We're growing rapidly. We're one of the biggest sites on 24-7 Sports. Thanks to you guys. And we have one of the biggest page views also every year, close to 20 or every month, close to 20 million page views a month, if not more. Uh, so that's all thanks to you guys. We're blessed to be able to do this for you all. Uh, and we can't wait to continue to cover this 2022 football season for you guys for the University of Oklahoma and the recruiting class for 23, 24, and 25. All right. That's going to do it for this version of the OU Insider Under the Visor Sooners Postgame Podcast. For Parker Thune, my name is Brandon Drum, Oklahoma won 52-42. They're back on the win, win side. So you all enjoy it and have a blessed day. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. 
I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.